leaving something for others to build on. That's a big thing to say. But most of us don't think about what we're leaving someone else to build on. And I think uh, I would love to see in the future that we leave something, our generation, incredibly great for the next generations to build on. So um, we, we're, we're really blessed in a great position to have um, you know, a, a piece of land that we could probably virtually do anything we want on it. Uh, 13 acres of land which will be, I think, in the new central part of Port Lincoln as time goes on. But uh, that's, that's a physical thing that we can leave. Um, but there's much more important is a spiritual foundation and building for others to take up and, and build on. So I'm going to look at um, Judges 16 about that. Um, but as a church and as a people, I believe where we are right now is, is God's wanting to take us from, single, from being a single-dimensional church to being a multi-dimensional church. Now, what I'm talking about when we talk that is a single-dimensional church basically says we just can focus on, on a one-Sunday service. And that's where we are right now. If we're totally honest, that's the, the capacity we have as a church is to just fulfill that. But I, I believe that every single person here tonight, and I want to honour you for being here tonight, is part of the solution who can say, well, we all need to step up a pace because we've got to go to a, multiple, uh, a multi... What was the word? Dimensional church. So what that means is, is extra services. And, and we could say, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll pull out an extra service and, and we might be lucky to have one person... On, on a banjo play for us. But what, what we think of that is everything that's involved. So we'd need to have something for the kids. We'd need to have, you know, music, music that, that uh, is, is really, you know, worthy of the church. Um, we we want to have a um, catering team and, and welcome people and all that. So all those things need to be considered. But we need to have in our, in our culture that we want to be a multi... What's the word? dimensional church and one of the amazing things that inspires me is uh, Pastor Warren was here just a few weeks ago saying that the week after he was with us they were starting a new campus um, and he didn't know how many was going to be left where he started from well they went out in faith not knowing they were getting about 700 people to the campus where he was going to stay um, but they knew a lot of the people who were there were living further out further north so they were going to start a campus out there closer to those people. So they started that other campus, 700 people turned up at that one and 500 still came to the other one, the original. And you think, well, where did all those other people come? Well, who knows? But, you know, I know that when we start to, to become a multi-dimensional church, you, you got it, when we become a multi-dimensional church, then we'll see that kind of expansion. And that the whole thing, it's, it's about the kingdom of God. Like Michael said, we don't want to get to heaven and go, oh, well, you know, I, I, really, I really missed my sleeping. Because you, you, you don't want to be standing before God for eternity thinking, I, I missed my, my time. I missed the opportunity that, that I had on earth to do something significant for God. So moving on from that, um, I want to give you two scriptures 
that appear to contradict each other. Proverbs 20 verse 10. I might have a... Is this on for me? Yeah. There you are. Proverbs 20 verse 10. False weights and unequal measures. The Lord detests double standards of every kind. Who's ever heard that? I have. See, and I'll tell you, there'll always be people who are wired with a strong sense of fairness. You ever come across those people? When you're a youth pastor, you don't want the mum who's got a strong sense of fairness. So they're the ones, they're the ones who'll pick you up on things that, um, that they would see as unfair. And sometimes looking on from a distance, it isn't possible to see why, uh, the why behind a situation. And, and um, you know, it's great to have people who have a sense of fairness and, and they're, the, they're, they're like the shop stewards in the church who, who go for the, you know, the, the rights of everybody. Um, but the next scripture I'm going to share may totally contradict this one I've just read. Um, is this going to work? It's turned off. There you are. Isaiah 28, verses 26 and 27 says, The farmer knows just what to do, for God has given him understanding. It goes on to say, The farmer knows his seed. A heavy sledge is never used to thresh black cumin. It's a seed. Rather, it is beaten with a light stick. A threshing wheel is never rolled on cumin. Instead, it is beaten lightly with a flail. Verse 29 says, The Lord is a wonderful teacher, and he gives the farmer great wisdom. Now when we compare both of these verses as a leadership level, we have to take the truth from both and apply them in context. How do we, how do we marry these two scriptures together? One saying you've got to, God hates unequal measures. So you can't have a rule for her and a rule for her. Because um, God, God says he doesn't like that. But then in Isaiah 28 it says the farmer knows just what to do because He's got to deal with different seeds. So he's, he's going to use a sledgehammer in one and, and something light on another because the seeds are different. So when we compare both of these verses, we've got to consider our leadership role and how that affects the church. So the farmer knows his seed. As we've said, he uses different methods for the type of seed. Now some people, honestly, you need to run over them with a steamroller and they still get up smiling. So you, you like drive over them and they pop up. Hey, I'm still happy. I'm still here. Some others, you just have to nudge a bit and, and they're crying. They're, they're, they're broken. They're hurt because they, they got in trouble. I mean, I see the difference in our own family. We've got one kid that, you know, you drive over her with a, her, with a, with a steamroller and she's okay. The other, you say, what's that? And she's, you know, devastated. So the thing to keep in mind is we have different treatment for, indi for individual people weighed according to their need type. So some people need challenge and some people need encouragement. But if we're applying the challenge need to the weary need, we'll take them out. So we need to understand the context of how we, we administer this stuff. Um, the challenge uh, is, is knowing the people, knowing the seed that they're working with. So if you've ever heard this uh, saying, and you know, this used to be my, my horror thing that used to come at me when I was a youth pastor all the time with, with parents, and they'd say, as long as you use the same standard for everyone, 
because we didn't choose their daughter to sing. So they'd, they'd come at you with, well, so long as you use the same standard for everybody, then we'll be happy. But it's an intimidation and it's a manipulation. And sometimes you can't use the same standard for everybody because if, you, if you've been alive for a little bit and had experience with life, you know that there's not such a thing as a one-size-fits-all anything. Especially when it's got to fit people. So David, uh, when he went to face Goliath, they thought, well, you're going to war. Here's the one-size-fits-all. Put on Saul's armour. Doesn't work. And same with when we're dealing with people, we've got to realise that we've got to have a fairness in our, in our approach, but it's not always going to be the same. So the way we might introduce someone onto a welcome team may not always be the same as the other person. So we've got to know the difference we have in people. So the art in this is having the wisdom from God in dealing with the seeds or the people that God has given us. But leaving something for others to build upon. I, have, I, had a, I need to do a, a thing on double standards though. This you need, to, you need to get, especially department leaders, and hopefully we don't run the church like this because I think it's not a, a really good pattern. But double standards are when we invent rules to purposely exclude others. So, I mean, I, I've seen that where um, they might think, well, someone's unpopular, so uh, we know they always, they always wear um, a denim skirt. So suddenly in, 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 a, in a rule somewhere, it'll say denim skirts aren't allowed on the welcome team. And you go, oh, oh, just let you know, there's a, there's a rule, denim skirts aren't allowed anymore. But you've done that with the intent to uh, purposely exclude others. See, that, that's an unequal, an unequal scale that God doesn't love. So that, that's the difference between how we do things. But we do need to understand that, that you know, uh, policies that we want to invent that we think are, are fair sometimes, you know, aren't really um, faithful to people in those things. So that's just a, a, a little thing I thought I needed to bring tonight. But um, leaving something for others to build on. Going to Judges 13 verse 25, we're going to look at Samson tonight. And it says, And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he lived in Meheneth Dan, uh, which is located between the towns of Zorah, and Eshtol. I love the story of Samuel, I mean, sorry, uh, Samson. But you've got to just take note tonight uh, where Samson was from, and he was from the tribe of Dan. So everyone remember that. He's from the tribe of Dan in the, the, the tribes of Israel. So his story is an example of a one-dimensional leader or a one-dimensional person. And uh, he's very much like that. I, I think maybe more accurate, he's probably about a more of a half a dimensional person. Um, but virtually all the judges of Israel, if you read through the book of Judges, I think all the judges were single dimensional. They had no success, succession plans. No one succeeded them after uh, they led the Israel for 10 or 20 years or whatever. Then there's no one coming up behind them. It's like they have their turn then they have no leader for a long time and then another judge appears. So there's no, uh, there's no uh, succession or, or progression or baton change over. It's like 
they were, the, they were the judge for a long time, then they're gone, and then there's nothing until the next one comes. But I want to show you a point uh, in Judges 15 because Samson started to, to cause a few problems for the Philistines who were their main enemies. And it says, The men of Judah went to Samson to hand him over to the Philistines. Now, it says 3,000 men of Judah went to, Sam, uh, went to Samson. I keep wanting to say Samuel. He went to Samson and said, we want to arrest you because you're causing trouble for our enemies and we, we want to hand you over to the Philistines. And so Samson says, okay, but so long as you don't kill me yourselves, you can put the handcuffs on and take me in. But there's 3,000 men came to, to Samson. And he, all he thinks of is, well, just don't kill me and, and I'll, I'll let you take me in. I see that as a lost opportunity to raise an army. Here's Samson. You know, he, he is an incredible warrior, an incredible man. Uh, and it says the Holy Spirit comes upon him whenever uh, he, he's in warfare and he does these incredible things. 3,000 warriors from Judah come to him and he says, okay, well, hand me over to the Philistines. I think there's a great uh, example of a missed opportunity of a single-dimensional leader. So next thing, he's handed over to the Philistines and uh, they all come charging out saying, hooray, we've got him, he's all subdued, he's tied up. And uh, he, it says he breaks the, the ropes that were tied, tying him up as if they were flax, like they, they're just you know, like straw. He just snaps them off and he looks around, he grabs whatever he can find and he just picks up randomly a, a, an old bone from a, from, from a donkey, the jawbone of a donkey, and he starts to uh, uh, swing it around uh, like a boss. <laughs> swing it around like a boss. And, and he kills a thousand Philistines. And, and there's dead Philistines all over. And it's, yeah, they're all piled up. And Judges 15, verse 16 and 17 says, this is Samuel, uh, um, Samuel, this is Samson speaking. He says, with the jawbone of a donkey. Um, oh, I missed one there, you can read that. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've piled them up in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a thousand men. And when he finished his boasting, he threw away the jawbone and the place was named Jawbone Hill. See, I, I asked myself this question what could have happened if Samuel had been uh, Samuel Samson <laughs> what would have happened if Samson had prepared uh, had been prepared with the men of Judah behind him with a sword in his hand so you know when when these guys came to him saying Samson you're causing our you're causing our enemies grief they want to arrest you. They want to take you in. Uh, he should have said, you know what, guys? We've got God on our side. We have a purpose. The Philistines aren't, aren't uh, letting us have weapons. They're, they're, they're controlling every part of our life. You know, there's 3,000 men here. Let's get organized. Let's get prepared. And I'll lead you to the Philistines. But the story shows us that we can have victory that is, that is boastworthy, but actually miss the mark that could be. They, he, uh, he had an incredible boastworthy 
event right there to boast about. But learning from what Samson did wrong, we must give attention to organisation and preparation and the sense of community in the church because they're all really important because Samson wasn't organised. He wasn't prepared. He wasn't connected to anybody. I mean, the only connections he had was people knew where to find him to say, we want to arrest you. He's disconnected. He's not, he's not involved. And one of the key platforms that we have to have as One Heart, while we call ourselves One Heart, is we've got to be connected. We've got to be connected. We've got to have a common thread between what we do. One of the key lessons I learned as a youth pastor was it's easy to get a crowd of people to an event, you know, say like Sunday night, but a, you know, some light, some, some little bit of smoke and things like that. And, and you can get a crowd of people. But the thing that we need to do is be threading people together that, that when, when that, that uh, container gets upset, they don't scatter in every direction, but they are linked together. Where are we going with that? You've got to be prepared. That's right. It says this next in verse 15 to 18. Samson was now very thirsty. So he's got a big pile of dead people. And it says, he cried out to the Lord, you have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of these pagans? Can you see, there's, a, there's an issue here. Samson takes credit for the victory. He thanks God and his own strength. He's thinking, God needs me. He's saying, God... Thanks, you've accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. He's saying it's because of me. Praise God, the car park's so full. Gee, it must be because of my preaching. Oh, that wasn't a joke. <laughs> but we can, we can so easily put the, the, the reason behind a success because of us. But it's because of God. All because of God. So Samson takes credit for the victory. Thanks God and his own strength. And he's thinking that God needs me. He's saying to God, you couldn't have done this without me. In a sense, that can be true. But Samson could do nothing without the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit for those crazy deeds that he did. And so he, 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 he's a little bit out of whack there. Uh, Judges 16 verse 1, going on, it says, One day Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. See, Samson became arrogant and shows contempt and a recklessness with the, the lifestyle that he should have been leading as a, a leader of Israel. But he shows contempt for that. Um, success has caused him to abandon morals. See, now he's never tasted wine or eaten grapes or he's never cut his hair. He's, but he fails dramatically because he has no morals. And, and we need to be aware of that in our own lives. Um, it's, it's, in his life, it's Philistine women that bring him down, that ruin his great reputation. But Samson spends far too much time in Philistine territory with Philistines. 
make no mistake, the enemy is our enemy. The enemy is our enemy. And the devil operates by deception. He's never going to show you a rotten apple and say, eat this, because you won't want it. He'll show you something shiny, something polished, something that looks so, so enticing and so wonderful and make you so famous. But it's going to be like a rotten apple. But the amazing thing, if you just look around, and, and I, I, I really feel that it's sad to see so many people who, who chase fame and fortune and, and, and uh, um, you know, the, the, the rock star kind of lifestyle. And you see, almost always they end in a, in a deadbeat death. Way, way earlier than what they should have. But that's because somewhere along the line, they've been enticed by something that is promised that this is the life, but it actually leads to death. The only time that we should be in Philistine country is when we're going to take something back. Go into Philistine territory and do some raiding on their territory and take things back, take people out of Philistine territory, take people out of the bondage, take people out of the bondage, go and get some, some things from, from the enemy's camp and bring them into God's camp. So one more point on Samson. Um, he has his first haircut and loses his strength. And mind you, he had four other times to realise the trap was always set. And sometimes we, God allows us grace and, and sometimes there's, there's enticements, there's traps and you've got to think of yourself, uh, where you're at in life and think, but, but God, you've given me so many opportunities to evade the trap. And Samson's like, one time, Delilah tries to, to trap him and, and he gets away. The, the power of God's still there. And it happens again and again and again until finally... He goes and crosses too far and the power of God's no longer there. The grace of God was no longer there. That's a hard one for us to, to get our head around. But he spent far too much time in Philistine territory with Philistines. Then one day, I'll just say this, don't get comfortable in Philistine territory. Don't get comfortable in Philistine territory because your enemy is always the enemy. So he gets to the point where his eyes are gouged out and he's made a slave. And then one day the Philistines want to parade him in the temple of their gods. Another sign that he spent way too much time in Philistine territory is found in Judges 16.26. So here he is, he's blind but he's led into the, the Philistine temple and Samson says to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. But Samson knows about this temple because I believe he's been there before. He's blinded. He can't see. But somewhere in his mind, he's thinking, I remember this temple because I've been here before. And we've got to be careful as believers that we're not spending our time in Philistine temples. This is all spooky and it's all very spiritual and mystical that I'm talking about. But there, there's things that we do with our life, where we go, what we spend our money on, where we, where we give our 
our sacrifices too that are like a Philistine temple that is taking us away from the best that God has for us. So hopefully it's making sense to you. So though he was blind, he remembers the, the, the pillars and he says, uh, uh, put my hands on the pillars. And you know, I just want to throw this one in. It's a good thing that Samson wasn't the saviour. But there's a lot of things we can see there because he, he says uh, totally different from, from Jesus. In his final words, he says, now pay them back for what they did to me. And when we think of Jesus, when, when you know, or virtually the equivalent of a Philistine was the Romans in Jesus' time, Jesus says, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But the most important thing I want us to see in this tonight is Judges 16, verse 31. I've taken a long time. He'll give me another few minutes. It says, Samson, so anyway, he, he, he finds the pillars, pushes them down, the whole thing falls down. He dies with the Philistines, a premature death, blinded, in chains, not where he should have ended. With a temple falling on top of him. So here's what I want you to see tonight. Judges 16, verse 31. It says, Samson had judged Israel for 20 years. Now remember what I was saying about leaving something for others to build on, where we started? Let's fast forward to Judges 18 now, a couple of chapters on. It says, Now in those days Israel had no king, and the tribe of Dan was trying to find a place where they could settle. Just remember, where did Samson come from? This is the exam. He came from the tribe of Dan. The tribe of Dan was trying to find a place where they could settle. For they had not yet moved into the land assigned to them when the land was divided among the tribes of Israel. And here's the point. Samson was from the tribe of Dan. He judged Israel for 20 years and in all that time he failed to settle even his own tribe into their promised land. And we have got to be a generation of believers, of Christians in One Heart Church who are saying, God, I'm responsible for, for the next generation. We've got to take land so that they don't have to fight that fight. They'll have other fights to fight. 20 years and all that time failed to settle even his own tribe into their promise. While he was distracted by his personal desires and the great feats that, that he um, that he paid, he was doing all those great feats, but he paid no attention to the real term needs of his clan or for Israel. You know, when you think back, he had so many opportunities where he could have been saying, Come on, I can lead this, I can stand up to, the, to this. Instead, he was chasing Philistine women, inappropriate relationships that robbed him of his life. Ultimately, see, we have a church to build. We have territory to take. Samson failed, but we can't. We can learn the lessons from Samson, but, but we can't afford to fail. We've got to be thinking of, of, of ways in which we can build bridges into this community. I was at, at an event today, a, um, a shared housing facility that opened in Port Lincoln, and was at the opening, and, and it was so good to see John 
uh, Miller there today, and uh, he got an award for, for being part of the, the you know, volunteers who helped, you know, he did tiling and all that to help put the place together. And I think that's what I want to see in, in, in every event in Port Lincoln is someone from One Heart Church who's been a part somehow. He didn't have a big flag on his, on, on his back saying One Heart Church. But you know what? People need to see the church out there doing what they can. So I want to encourage you to, to be um, seeing those things and, and sacrificing something for others because the community will see it and they'll give glory to God. Samson failed, but we can't. So I want, want you to look around. Uh, look, look around even here today and maybe more metaphorically might be better. And ask God to position people and leaders are in your life to build with you. Say, God, give me, the, give me the, 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 the eyes to see. You don't want to end up like Samson where, where you had every, every chance to evade the trap, but you kept going back until it got you. That's the most saddest part about this story is, is the, there were so many opportunities for him to do a, di do a different deal, but he kept going back. Says the first, the first problem he had is he, he, he wanted to marry a Philistine girl. And you know, that marriage didn't go ahead good, good enough. But then it says he, he visited a Philistine prostitute and then he fell in love with Delilah, another Philistine. But he kept going back till he finally got trapped. And we should never mistake the grace of God in our life for, for small things because we think, well, I'll always get out. says the last time when, when the strength and the, the power and the grace of God had left him, it says, I'll shake myself free like I have every other time. I'll drag myself back to church and, and everything will be great. But you know, sometimes we might not ever have that opportunity again for many reasons. But look around you and ask God to position people and leaders in your life to build to build with you. Deal with any Philistine distractions that you are too close with. Deal with those distractions. I'm not going to say it's this or it's that or it's something else, but you, you need to be uh, you know, real with yourself and say, God, you've put me on this earth. I want to discover that thing that you've created me to be. So learn to live in cooperation with others, to build bigger and better. Prepare yourself with a sword and a shield not just whatever happens to be there. So if you're in the music team, you need to, to you know, uh, develop your craft. If you're on the welcome team, you need to develop yourself in that. If you're in catering, you need to develop those things in your life and be saying, God, use what I have and I want to prepare myself to be the best that I can so that when the Philistines come uh, gloating over you at one day, you're not going, oh, what's around? I'll just start swinging a chair. You want to say, no, I've got a sword which God gave me, which is a word that I can't ever forget that it's in my spirit. And I'm going to start to declare that word. And I'm going to cut down those Philistines. So we want to be able to say, after 20 years, we have taken the territory. And the tribe of One Heart Church got all that it was supposed to get. Amen.